You may be seated. That song is the song of the hour. Come do what you do, God. We need a move. We need a move. Never get used to coming to the house of God. The flesh gets used to everything, tries to make everything common, normal. You're coming to the house of God. You're visiting God in his house this morning. God Almighty, Almighty. There isn't a thing he can't do, a person he can't move on, a situation he can't handle, and you're here. You're here visiting him. Don't dummy that down like most of us do. But I have a question for you this morning. Is it possible for fullness and emptiness to exist side by side? Fullness and emptiness to exist side by side. Can you have a deep satisfaction and an endless hunger coexist in one heart? Can that happen? Is that an oxymoron? Can't we be grateful for what he has done, yet desperate for what more he can do? Are you? I think our hunger has gone up and gone. It's dangerous to lose your hunger, because you know what? Hunger moves you. It moves you. It will send every one of you somewhere to eat as soon as I've had enough, and I'm done talking. I don't know what you think about that. Oh. All right. Hunger will move you, will it not? It causes you, if you have like me, you got stairs in my house, and it causes me to go up and down those stairs. If I run down there and get myself a nice cup of chocolate pudding, run back upstairs, sit down, God, no spoon. Don, I'm going again. I'm coming back up, no matter how many times, to satisfy my hunger. And we need our hunger back because we need a move. Who doesn't have something going on in their life where you need God to step in and do something for you? I mean, every one of us. Yet we sit here like God can't move. We are handcuffing Almighty God with our disbelief in what He's about. I mean, we just are. We should be going, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you for saving my wife and giving me the wife I have and putting my feet on the rock. But God, we need you to open the floodgates over our city, over our country, over our souls, and over this church. We need to move. You stepped out just a tiny bit at the end of that song. Did you sense any little bit of a move? Who was that? Did I tell the guys in the back of the booth, Press the move machine. And it starts happening. That's God responding to you. Well, your heart's opening up. Not your mouth. Your heart opening up and saying, oh, dear God, we need a move. And God's presence elevates a little bit. So it is possible to be grateful yet desperate at the same time. Absolutely. And I hope you are. Thankful for what God has done, how he's blessed you, how he's kept you all these years. Oh, but the problem with most American Christians, we just find our hammock and then swing. This is fun. This is great. How's the flowers doing? Garden looks good. Grass is cut. And we lose that desperate gnawing inside of us for the moving of God. It says this in Ezra 3.6. From the first day of the seventh month began they to offer burnt offerings unto the Lord. 
but the foundation of the temple of the Lord was not yet laid. No moving of the building of the house of God. Listen, let me tell you this a little bit. If you want, if you desire, if you hunger for a move of God, give us one hour on Wednesday. Come and seek Almighty. You understand that's where the move starts. The fuse is lit there so that this can explode into the presence of God. So come. Come and help us. There's a number of people starting to come in our prayer meetings. Guess what? Are actually becoming one. They really are. And I hope you can. I know you work, you're tired, whatever, but so that's the way it is. 1 Corinthians 3.11, New American Standard says this, For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. We know that. Nothing else is going to help this country other than Jesus. I'm glad we have a president that wants to make America great again, but only Almighty God can make America great again. Only Almighty God, and I've been praying since he's so bold, our president, doesn't care what he says or tweets, I've been praying that he starts speaking out on behalf of God more. Bold for God. Get a hold of uh, our country, God. Get a hold of our, our Americans and have them start praying like never before. So we need to finally get the right foundation under us. Church is not about you. In America, we always want everything to be about us. That's why there's a cabillion selfies and all this stuff that's going on. All these various things that are just so self, it's actually sickening. But church is not about you. And, and through this movement and selfness and all that stuff, that's what churches are falling in. They think they have to entertain you. No, I don't. I don't have to entertain you. I have to preach the Word of God. That's what I'm supposed to do. What you do with it, it's up to you. Because you're going to stand before Almighty God. So here they are, they're going to start building, it's Ezra 3.10, they're going to start building the temple, and you're going to see this gratefulness yet dissatisfaction. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, they set the priests in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites, the son of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord. There's nothing wrong with praising Almighty God. And they sang together by course in praising and giving thanks unto the Lord. Because he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And all the people shouted with a great shout. That's what the Word of God says. That first song that Zach sang, I felt bad for him. Louder and louder, however that song goes. We don't get louder and louder. Uses the word roar. We have no roar. How can we not? Because we don't understand the vastness and the awesomeness and the powerful of Almighty God. We just don't. I don't care what you're made of. We spent six weeks speaking about the temperaments. And they talk about extroverts and introverts. And red and yellow were extroverts. And blue and green were introverts. And you took 40 questions to try to kind of figure out what you are. It was fun. It was interesting. And out of the 40, 36 of me is introverts. But I'm telling you what, you're going to hear me in heaven. You're going to hear me and you're going to see me. And I don't know how God's going to do it, but he's going to make me a piano player and a singer. And I'm going to be going. And I don't want a seat. I don't want a seat. Wait, and I want long hair. Well, I want my hair back. And I'm saying that because I want to go nuts for God. 
I do. I just, when I wish I could, I just wish I could. It was so awesome. So this is why you should be worshiping him this morning. It says it right here in this verse, because he's good. How'd you like a mean God, a bad God, a nasty God, a good for nothing God? But your God is good. So God says that alone is worthy of your praise. And not only that, it says, by the way, his mercy endures forever. And it's a good thing because his children aren't too good at times. And you're about to thank God this morning, worship him, that his mercy endures forever. For you and I. I mean, you should. You don't have to, but you should. Goes on, verse 12. But many of the priests and the Levites and chief of the fathers who were ancient men that had seen the first house when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes wept with a loud voice and many shouted aloud for joy. So you have weeping and you have shouting going on at the beginning of the laying of the foundation. So much that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. Can you picture the scene? Be hard because we're quiet as mice all the time. If somebody starts to really heave and weeping, you'd all hear it. But there's weeping and shouting and there's so much they don't know what, what they couldn't discern what is going on. The difference between these two groups are the, the older people, the older men had seen what God had done in the past with Jerusalem and the church in its finest hour. When the church was walking on all uh, it can and hitting on all eight cylinders. They rejoiced to see the foundation of the temple being rebuilt. They rejoiced that something was happening again in America. Thank God! But what we had before in the revivals and when bars would shut down and jails had no one to put it, all of New York was in a revival. And I think Adam put up a long time ago a, a picture of the Empire State Building all lit up in a big cross for Easter. So you rejoice that there's a move, and then you weep, and you say, oh, man, what we had, where we were. Grateful yet desperate. And the question is, are you? I mean, are we? Um, sometimes I even have trouble being grateful. I mean, I try not to. I really do. I try not to. But desperate? Are you desperate? Haggai 2.9 says, The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. So this is pretty cool, what we have, but there has to be more. Not only has to be, that's like a guess. There is more. There's absolutely more. There's more of God if you want them. There's more of God in this church if you step out. If you present yourself before God and just start saying, Lord, do what you do. Here I am, Lord. Do what you do. And I believe God will. Remember the day that you gave your heart to the Lord and you were forgiven by the power of God? Do you remember that day? I mean, mine's getting pushing pretty far back, about 50 years almost, yet I still can remember it. Do you remember that day? 
Did you walk away thinking that experience was enough? That that was enough for you to last a lifetime, that, that salvation moment? Yes, you can be saved forever, but is that it? Is that you? Well, this is it. This is church. This is what I got. This is cool. Go to church three times a week. I'm really cool. We're, we're missing out because we don't put any effort towards seeking God. My four-year-old granddaughter can drive me crazy. <laughs> she can. She can. I mean, she just was at her house. Of course, Ruth is laid up. You know that story. And everybody wants to come and bless Ruth, and she's got this pile of goodies and all these things. And Addison comes running up, and um, she just, like, she always plays baby dolls with Ruth. And they're both, they're just talking, you know, oh, here's my blue shoes, oh, here's my red shoes, can I borrow your purse, can you have, and they do that for hours, okay? Now Ruth's out of surgery, she's laid up, she can't move. And we're up in the loft and there's steps and all her stuff is downstairs and even way down the other steps. And so as soon as she comes up, she's, let's play baby dolls. And she's going, Pappy, Pappy, can you get my baby dolls? And, and I'd be like, Look, here's Tootsie Rolls. Here's Suckers. Here we had pizza, salad. She loves the Adonado cheese, plates of cheese. And she's always going, yeah, yeah, baby dolls. Let's get the baby dolls. Let's get the baby dolls, Pat, because the baby dolls. And I even heard Ruth say, man, she's got a one-track mind. And I'm wore out from being nurse and cleaner and cook sometimes and all kind of stuff, and I don't want to do any steps. So what do you think happened? She had all her baby dolls because I went down and got her constant nagging, if you want to call it that, or asking, or persistence, or one-track mind, talking to her grandfather, moved him because he loves her, and went and got the baby dolls so that she could play baby dolls with her grandmother. How much more? Me being evil. The Almighty God will move if His children will say, would you move, God? God, could you move? Would you please move this morning, Lord? Lord, at this altar call, I'm coming. I'm going to present myself to you. And Lord, do what you do. Could you move, Lord? She moved me, and I was unmovable. Even when I knew she was coming, I'm going, I ain't doing nothing. I'm going, I'm not. That's nothing to do with her. It's just she's got so much energy, four years old, and, she won't, and I'm wore out. She moved me. She absolutely moved me. So I'm sure these, the branches of the vine are grateful for belonging to the vine and the root system. But I don't think they're just happy to hang there. Now, they're kind of going to go dormant for a while now, but sooner or later, they're going to start demanding their nutrients, and they're going to start pulling from the vine. It's pulling so that they can get leaves. Not only stop at leaves, they don't look and say, boy, our leaves are good this year, this is fine. No, they, they go for more because they want the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit or the fruit of God or the power of God, the giftings of God and the moves of God. You have to demand it. The Lord is the branch, the root of Jesse, David. Pull it out of God and he'll move. He'll be moved. 
He's not some old, tired-out grandfather that's already saying, I'm not going to move. He's your heavenly Father who's did all this so that you could ask for the move. It's humanity and divinity working together. Adam, here's the garden. Tend it and keep it. You're the Adam. God's laid it out before us. Here's the Garden of Eden, full of the promises of God. And he's saying for you to tend it, keep it, go for it. We need a move. We do. I'm grateful for saving my soul, Lord, because I was a clunkhead. I was. I was messed up. But God, I need to be desperate. Please help me to be desperate. Just running back up to that Haggai 2.9 for a second. Did you get this? People blow off church a lot. They just do. We're in that season. Tis the season in America. It says, The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former house, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place, God says, I will give peace. You get peace here. It just happens. So you just think, this is a supernatural place. Just because you don't get a goose bump or something happens, God says, I'll just pour peace in your heart. I'll keep you calm. Just because you come and you sit and you absorb the word of God or you give some sort of worship, adoration to God, God says, here's some peace. Stay home, no peace. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for you will be filled. You will be. It's a promise from God. The problem is, are we hunger and thirsting? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't mean you're no good and you're a bum. No, I'm, I, I don't mean to be like that, but I fall into it. God, make me hungry for you and thirsty. God, give me a, an appetite and a thirst for the moves of God. Satisfaction may be the greatest enemy or, or the purpose of God. Satisfaction. We're satisfied. Wife loves God. I love God. It's just it. You're not looking for much more. Contentment sets in. Man, you need to break that thing off. Get it off. <clears throat> the worst thing that can happen to a championship team is they get what? Lethargic. They got to the great prize, and then they win it a second year, and then third year they might not even make 500 because they, eh, we did this already. Yeah. And it happens to the people of God. And Amos gives us a warning and says, Woe to them that are at ease in Zion. 6,000 people, they claim, die and go to hell every hour. Before I'm done preaching, 6,000. Damned. Every hour. And Amos is saying, hey, woe unto those that are at ease. Jeremiah 48, 11 says, Moab has been at ease from his youth. From our youth. For what God has. And he hath settled on his lees, and hath not been emptied from vessel to vessel. Neither hath he gone into captivity. Therefore his taste, listen, remained in him, and his scent is not changed. Someone come over and sat with Ruth for a while because I had long-range plans of yesterday being in a golf tournament. So I was gone maybe four or five hours. Came back home, 
give Ruth a hug, first words was, you stink. <laughs> Been outside sweating. Our sin, do we stink? Does the church stink? Do you stink at work when you're supposed to be the light? Or at a ball game? Or in the mall? Whatever. Do we stink? Lord, do. Lord, I can't, please. Don't let me stink for you. Please, Lord. At ease means rest, quiet. We like that. I do. Part of that blue-green personality, which if you weren't there, I don't know what to tell you other than go look it up. That blue-green, blue, that introvert. We love rest and quiet, and we love the rut. You know what a rut is? Do you? Are you there? Who's a rut lover? I change every day. I don't have to worry about this. Nothing changed, nothing different, nothing weird. I do. I remember when our children were in school, when our school was out, it was no rut. When school went in, why do you mothers always go, yeah, when school was somewhat all right? Yeah, school's back because you got your routine back. On ease in Zion, rut, quiet means comfortable, means compliancy. Enemy, just get back, get back in your rut and be quiet. Don't be climbing out and say, we need to move. Get, get in. Get in. He'll let you walk your rut. And that's what I am. Ugh. So, hunger has to cease to be a part of our spiritual, our non-hunger has to cease as part of our spiritual life. We need to be hungry. You've got to get hungry again. And if you don't, and if you're not, and if you haven't been, then you need to come to God and say, God, I need to move. I need to move, Lord. If you wake up and your wife or your husband and your children or something and the like teenagers like like Luke will eat eight hamburgers now at one sitting. If he comes out of our house and he's like, no, nah, I don't want to eat meanwhile. I don't want to eat. I don't, I don't feel like eating. No, I can't. You can put a steak this big, which he usually devours. No, I just don't want. What do you think she says? What's wrong? Are you sick? Are we? If we don't have a hunger, we've got all this steak and fruit and vegetables luscious things that God wants to give us and you're going I don't know pastor I just I just don't the Wednesday Wednesday now come on so what should I say to you um come here are are you sick you don't want to eat are we are we sick do we stink Psalmist says this in 42, As the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? It's a question mark. Now, a lot of times we use those animal shows, and you know they're, they're thirsty, and that's where all the um, crocodiles and alligators and lions wait, because they know sooner or later. And the deer thirsts for water so bad and he knows that there's death and trouble and, and there's going to be pushback and fight to just get a drink of water. He doesn't say, oh, well, I'm not drinking. He still goes there. He has to. He's compelled. He's forced to because of his thirst and his hunger. Look around you. Where are they? 
So that's why God's got this stuff in here. His heart panteth. I've got to get a drink. I'm so thirsty. I'll die if I don't get a drink. I want to stand before God. I want to hear God. I want to see what God has to say. Oh, God, we need to move. How about Jacob? The Old Testament patriarch had a checkered past, didn't he? Well, just like you and I. So do we. You can relate to old Fibbin Jacob. When God began to work with him, he became a desperate man. When God works with you, he puts you in a desperate situation for a reason. So you'll start crying out for a move. That's what God does. He'll let the crick dry up. Genesis 32, 24, and Jacob was left alone and there wrestled. That's why we were just singing there a little bit, God, we need a move. I was like saying, wrestle with God. And actually, you're wrestling with yourself because yourself doesn't want to worship God. Yourself wants to be worshipped. Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day. Question for you, does the Lord have you alone? Now, you could be surrounded by a dozen kids in your family, but do you feel just... You could loathe everything. Nothing's good, the place you live, the job you work. Does God have you alone? Maybe he's trying to get you to focus on him. Get your eyes back on God. How about Simeon? Remember Simeon? He was an elderly prayer warrior. He received a promise that he wouldn't see death until the Messiah came to Israel. That's Simeon. You remember him? Luke 2 says this, And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord Christ. The Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law. They took him up in his arms, blessed God, and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for my eyes have seen thy salvation. Now listen to this. Simeon's words might have been the first words heard in about 400 years of prophecy because it was nothing that was going on. It was dead, unmoved, church. He openly expressed his gratefulness for God's promise, but he was hunger that kept him alive until he saw it. God says you're going to see the Messiah. Until an American praying, we believe that's going to happen as soon as the microwave bell goes off. Beep! Oh, there's the Messiah. This was year after year, and he kept saying, I'm not going to die. Maybe he couldn't even walk much anymore because his legs and his, his vision and his hearing wasn't even that good. And his whole natural self was saying, you're going to die long before the Messiah comes. And so, no, sir, God, it's a fight. It's a battle. In your mind and in your heart, you said, no, sir, God told me I will see him. I will see him before I go to my grave. And you fight and you battle. And that hunger and that desperate kept him alive until he could win. I see my salvation. That's what you have to do. We have no fight in us. No desire to fight. Be grateful yet desperate for the moving of God. Simeon was. How about John the Baptist? He was grateful for the Lord's presence and companionship, wasn't he? But his desperate hunger to be closer to Jesus caused him to lay his head on the bosom of Christ. How cool is that, man? I'd probably be too proud to do that because it looks stupid. What's Dustin got his head on my son's chest? It doesn't even sound and seem stupid. 
And that's what pushing in and worshiping and, and going for God seems to the carnal flesh. How cool is that looking? But you know what? John didn't care if it wasn't cool looking. He could care less. He didn't care what others were even thinking. All he knew is what the master was in touching distance. And I want to get close to the master. That's what he wanted. He was desperate. John's actions aren't something to, to scorn at. They're, they're something to long for. So what if it's not cool looking? He's hearing from the master. And that's what other men of the world will mock you and laugh at you for whatever because you want to keep your head on the chest of the Lord. You want to get so close you can feel His breath on your forehead and His heart beating in your ear. We need to move. All he knew was that the Master was in touching distance and I've got to touch him. And by the way, it was this man, John, the one who spent most of the time closest to Christ who received the final revelation of Jesus Christ. He said, I'm going to take you up into the heavens and let me open up your eyes to who I am. Revelation tells us, John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and he heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. God spoke to him. At any given moment, God can speak to us. Revelations 4 1 says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither. Think of that. Look into heaven. There's a door. Maybe it'll open today. Maybe it'll open this morning. Now, I believe he's an individual God, individual to each one of us, individual Savior to me. And that door might close to me because I'm going, ah. and a person right beside you be going, Lord Jesus, and that door open. And they get caught up into the heavenlies. We need to move, God. Do what you do. And they receive from the Lord, and you don't. After this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which thou must be thereafter. You can be here 20 years, the door never opened to you. Just never opened. John was literally caught up in the heavenly scene. You can get caught up in the heavenly scene this morning. He was lifted up by the Spirit of Almighty God in heaven. Is that stuff stopped to you? There's no more of that? I, I believe there is. Lord, lift us up where we belong. Yeah. We need to be lifted up. We need to pray to God. God, give us wings as eagles. I want to soar in the heavenlies, Lord. You have to be like Addison. I want to soar, God. I want to soar. I want to soar, Lord Jesus. I want to soar in the heavenlies, Lord. To be with you. Lord, lift us up where we belong. Have you ever been to the parade? I don't know if there's not too many parades anymore. I think New Concord still has one. And I don't remember if we took our little guys there. Back then, I can't even remember that far back. But we've taken Addison there here in the future, or in the recent past. And they're going by, and she's only like this tall and getting taller now, but very little, and she can't see nothing. So what do you think she asks? What's she ask? Pick me up. Pick me up. Pick me up, Pappy. Pick me up. Pick me up. 
And so what? Up she goes, up on my shoulder, up. So she can what? So she can see. Are you asking God? God, pick me up. Pick me up, Lord, so I can see. Lord, I'm stuck down here and I can't see. All I see is this worldly mess that we're in, all this heartache and all this lying going on in our country, God. All this opioid stuff. Lord, lift me up. Lift me up, God, so I can see. I can get my eyes back on you, Lord, so I can start to understand. We need a move. Lord, give me a move. Personally, ask the Lord. Ask. What's the Bible say about asking? You don't ask, you don't get. Believe me, I would have never said to Addison, oh, let's go downstairs, the two flights of stairs, and get all your baby dolls, and I'll bring them all up. I would have never done that. But she asked over and over and over and over. And, of course, Ruth is laid up, and what's Ruth doing? Pappy will do it for you. Pappy will get it for you. Pappy will go. So the father will lift up the child and give them a better view. Grateful, yet desperate. Satisfied, yet stirred. Filled, yet hungry. Yes, that's what you need to be in order to have a move of God. James says the effectual, fervent, passionate prayer. Effectual, fervent, and passionate prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That's why the enemy doesn't want you to pray. Or come and pray, or join us in prayer, or have a time alone in prayer, because it avails. And he don't want that. He wants you to know, ho, 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 get back in that rut. Get. There, now go on, enjoy life. Don't be looking out over that rut and say, man, I need to get, uh-uh. He don't want you doing that. Not at all. Romans tells us, look, if you're going to do anything, be fervent. Above all things have, uh, Peter, I'm sorry. And above all things have fervent charity among yourselves. Fervent. Be fervent. Hot. Red hot. White hot. However you want to call it. Then Romans says fervent in spirit serving the Lord. Look that definition up right there. It says to boil. White heat. Hot. Be fervent. Fervent. If you get around somebody who's fervent for the things of God, next thing you know, that's all you guys are talking about. They start pulling it out of you. And then you walk away going, man, that was awesome. And all you're doing was sitting there talking about God. You didn't do anything. You didn't go accomplish anything. It's just the stirring and the talking and hearing the voice of God inflames you, starts you on fire again. Isaiah, this is what I wish that New Hope would do. Oh, that thou wouldst rend the heavens. That you would call out to God that thou wouldst come down. Come down, God. We need a move. We have people desperately sick, marriages messed up, kids lost, a nation messed up. We need a move. Oh, come down, God. Oh, that thou wouldst rend the heavens, that thou wouldst come down, that the mountains might float, mountains might flow down at thy presence. And when the melting fire burneth, the fire caused the waters to boil. You can cause the waters to boil for your love and stirring for God. <clears throat> and when the melting fire burneth, the fire causeth the waters to boil to make thy name known to thy adversaries, that the nations may tremble at thy presence. We need boiling water, not just water. Worst kind of water is lukewarm. We need boiling worship. 
Because the Bible says he's good. And his mercy endures forever. So we need boiling worship. We need boiling preaching. Oh, there's nothing worse than cold, dead sermons. We need boiling preaching. We need boiling boiling altar times where you come and expect God. Where you're sitting there saying, would you be quiet? Because I want to run to the altar. You're so pumped to talk to God. Where's that at? Where's that hunger? Don't tell me you don't have it. You have it. It's just misdirected. We'll see it. We'll see it in action the day after Thanksgiving. What happens that day? This is where you run over anybody to get a t-shirt $2 less than what it was. Isn't it true? I, mean, just, I just saw that advertisement where they opened the doors in Macy, New York, and man, folks were flying in that store, running. They had passion. They had passion because they were going to get something. Where's that passion? So what I'm saying to you is you can't make it up. I understand that. But you can come to the altar and say, God, oh my God, I've lost my passion. Lord, I've lost my hunger. I haven't been hungry for you for a long time. I don't know. I didn't mean it, God. And if I stopped eating, eventually you might not know. But sooner or later, you'll start to see the dwindling, the face, the weight. You might whisper to each other, man, pastor looks sick. Pastor's sick. Something wrong with pastor. We need boiling prayer. Oh, anything worse than dead preaching is dead prayer. Goodness gracious. 1 King 18, 24 says, And call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. Do you understand that situation? Everybody, they were there to kill him. How would you pray then? Desperate, hungry, and passionate it seems to have left us. Answer by fire this morning, God. We need to answer by fire. I need my band back, please. While they're coming, let's the rest of us stand. <clears throat> Do your thing, Patrick. <clears throat> I was putting this message together, and went back to church yesterday <clears throat> in the afternoon, just putting a caboose on the message, and then I started leaning back and looked out the window, and coming down right here, right in front of the church, going past the school was a state trooper, slow, peaceful, calm, car all dark, just, he's going back, shift was over. And all of a sudden, all his lights flew on, and he spun that thing around, and had the truck that was coming this way by the time it got to the school. You get that? From my office window, truck going this way, speeding, 
he lit that thing up in hot pursuit and had him pulled over in the school. And I'm thinking, jeez, God. We need to run in hot pursuit. If you go in hot pursuit, you'll catch God quickly. He's not hiding. He's not running from you. We're not going after him. That cop had him instantly. And he's on his way home. He's probably already thinking of dinner and the kids and maybe the ball game. Whatever, I don't know how fast that truck was going. But if you're going 70 that way, how could he possibly whip that thing around and get him? Because he went in hot pursuit. Is one thing, I'm getting that guy. And he had him. And I thought, Lord, oh, can you please put that in me? That hot pursuit to go after you. Because, Lord, we need a move. Genesis 28 says, And Jacob awaked out of his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. That's what flesh does when you're in the flesh. You need woken out of the sleep. You don't even know God is here. God's talking to you just in church another Sunday. Hope we can get to the car before it rains. And he was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God. The house of God. What problem do you have you can't present before God this morning? He says, awake out of your sleep and realize that you're in the house of God. Do that. This awake out of your sleep and realize you're in the house of God. I don't care what anybody else thinks. You have God in you. If you're a true Christian and you love God, God's in you. All of you. God tells us you have not because you ask not. And we're about to ask for a move. Corporately, nation, church, personally. You don't ask, forget it. You have not because you ask not. We need a move. Heard the scripture last Sunday and I was going to use it. This Sunday, so here it comes. It says, Job says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves. And I know that scripture can be, oh, it's the angels. I don't care. There was a time where they came to present themselves to God. Let that be this morning for us. October 6th, like Chase was praying, let this day be special, let it be different. That's the day I decided to present myself to God and say, here I am, God. Do what you do, Lord. Do what you do. This cold, unmoved heart, whatever it is, give me another one. Now do what you do, Lord. Wonders are still what you do. Wonders, God. He still does that. Miracles. We need a move. Grateful, yet desperate. As this song is being played, I... and. I ask you to come down and stand before the Lord and just keep saying, Lord, we need to move. Whatever God does to you, I'm not telling you what to speak. I'm telling you to get lost in this song and ask for that move of Almighty God.